I'm Bianca, and I'm Gen Z. I'm Molly, a millennial. I am Arnisha, Generation X. And I'm Micah, the Boomer. We, we are, are Day Talk. Talk. Four women, four generations, and four unique points of view. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Dame Talk. This is Dame Bianca, and I am a recent college grad. I graduated in May 2020 from the College of William & Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. And um, so this episode is going to be about starting your career or entering the job market. The, the pandemic has done a lot to change everything, the economy, um, the types of jobs that are available right now, the types of jobs that'll be available in the future. So I'm excited to get advice from the other dames and from our guests about other times in recent history um, uh, where the job market has also taken a plunge. I'm really curious to hear about that. So I'm going to introduce our guest today, who is Andrew Martin. Um, so welcome, Andrew. Um, we invited Andrew to join today's episode since we'll be discussing all this stuff. Um, and Andrew's the assistant director at the Cohen Career Center at my alma mater, William & Mary. Andrew specializes in industry advising for um, education and public service careers, but he does general career advising and works with the William & Mary community in a multitude of ways. So Andrew, I'm going to talk a little about you first before you jump in. So Andrew's from the Philly area and the Atlanta area. Um, and studied social work um, before working in the child welfare industry for 14 years. Andrew is also fairly new to William Mary's Career Center team, but he's worked in career coaching for years and um, received a certification in career development in 2018 by the National Career Development Association, which is really cool. Um, so welcome, Andrew, and we're excited to have you on Dame Talk today. Um, cool. Let me know if I missed anything. Yeah, well, thank you so much, <laughs> uh, Bianca, that, that, for that introduction, and I'm so excited to be with you all today. Yeah, the, I guess the only thing that I would add is that um, I live in Tueno. Uh, Tueno is in James City County in the upper end of the county, and so um, I've lived there with my wife and my three children, uh, ages nine, eight, and six. And uh, my wife is an integrated technology resource teacher for a, a local county. And, um, and so she's been teaching for about 20 years. And um, I, like many of your listeners, am also working with my three children and balancing virtual learning. And so I've been working as, a, as an IT specialist, I guess, with that hat on with my, uh, with my with the grandparents who are providing our, us support um, through who have been absolutely amazing for these last few weeks of, of virtual learning. So, but thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. How's, how's the virtual school going for, for your kids? So it's, far? Actually, it's going well, I guess this last week uh, was probably the, the best week that they've had. Um, the first week there were a lot of glitches and issues, but I think we've been able to work through some of those. Um, but I think that they've been able to adapt well uh, to this this new this new way of learning, um, and we're just hoping that maybe in the in the weeks or or maybe months uh, to come that we can maybe return back to to in person learning at some capacity. If it's not every day, maybe it's a more of a hybrid um, uh, approach to that. So, right, uh, we actually did an episode around. We had a couple of teachers join us to talk about how they're handling remote learning from the teacher's perspective. Um, so you might want to check out that episode, but it, you know, it, it just, 
you know, we recognize that on both sides, it's a challenging because it's new for everybody. Um, but I am hearing from other parents that it's easier this year because they, you know, they learn from what happened when, you know, at the end of the school year, I guess this, this same year. But um, so hopefully you're seeing that as well as, you know, the learning curve is, is quicker and mm-hmm. um, especially for your kids, right? Because now mm-hmm. this isn't new to them. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's, it's for, for what it's, for, for this new environment that we're in, it's certainly amazing to me of how quickly children adapt to new circumstances and new situations. And um, they really have really embraced this, particularly with this last week has, has really made, I think, a, a good um, impression on me that, that they're going to be okay. They're, they're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. And, um, you know, once we get back in in-person learning, which I will celebrate, which I'm sure many other parents will. Um, but but we're we're gonna we're gonna be okay, you know, getting through this um, together. I think I think that's the important thing is that we're all doing this together. That's really really good to hear. And truthfully, I looked. I'm like, wow, his children are so close in age, and that's a great thing because they have each other now. I hopefully yep. they're in the they're getting along more often than not because it is kind of tough to be in close proximity when you're young at that age. You know, I, I get it, but hopefully they are getting along more often than not because they have each other. You know, you mm-hmm. think about the kids that. You take out school, you completely ripped away most of the socialization, right? Most of the mm-hmm. things that children do to socialize, they completely lose when they're not in school, when they don't have sports, when they don't have dance. Mm-hmm. All of those things have been taken away. So, you know, now it's a great thing to have a good-sized family because, <laughs> you know, they have each other, right? Yes. They have each other. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very fortunate to have just some amazing children. They're They're really just superb kids. They get along well, they love each other. Um, and we, we really promote that in the home. And so, um, they help each other out. And so it's just, it's just, it just helps. It helps living in that kind of environment, you know, um, That's awesome. we, we have a great, we have a great family. So That's awesome. thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, well, so why don't we go ahead and jump in, um, a little bit more about the, uh, career coaching part of your life. Um, so I, I'd love to hear a bit more about your experiences as a career coach for, I think you said a a nonprofit, um, and also just your time in the welfare, uh, child welfare industry. Um, so what are some, I'd love to hear about some things that you've learned, um, from those experiences that brought you to, um, a full-time career, um, position, career coaching position. Um, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. So since uh, 2016, um, I worked as a career coach for a nonprofit organization called Literacy for Life. Um, it is located within the School of Education, and it's one of many adult education programs in the state. Um, I think what has set aside Literacy for Life it was the innovation of bringing on a career coach um, who could help students who were coming to our country, uh, who were, you know, international students, and helping them navigate uh, the, the world of work and, and figuring out um, how they can get a job and, and um, you know, make it here in our country. And so uh, for that duration, uh, I helped international students with writing a resume, doing a job search. Um, I was able to, to also provide opportunities to place um, our, our um, learners, we call them, in, in jobs. And so 
Um, you know, many of these jobs were what's called middle skill jobs. Uh, middle school jobs are jobs that are um, don't require a college degree, but require some kind of education after high school. And so those are, are like HVAC um, installers or HVAC workers, um, plumbers, uh, electricians, um, uh, a lot of entry-level medical providers uh, like CNAs or medical assistants um, or dental assistants. Uh, and so um, or automobile mechanics. So th those are some examples of middle skill jobs. So that's what I, I helped our learners uh, achieve. And, um, and so as well as helping them uh, through if they had any kind of professional training in their home country, helping them through what's called a foreign credential evaluation process to identify what U.S. equivalency they had here in America with their education. And so my, my work in child welfare, welfare, I had you know, lots of different roles. I, was, uh, I started out in Fredericksburg um, working as a child uh, protective services investigator, um, you know, focusing on prevention and, um, and also protecting children from abuse and neglect. I moved to Richmond as, uh, shortly, maybe two years later, um, and changed roles to a foster care social worker and really spent, I guess, the last 12 years uh, working with children in foster care. And so I think, you know, from those experiences, I, I learned a lot uh, from, from that. And, I, and so I think it's important for your listeners to really understand that, you know, their personal and professional experiences matter. You know, th th those do matter. And thinking about their transferable skills that they may have gained from those experiences um, can be applied to almost any job that they are interested in. If they've been out of school for a while, I think it might be a, a value to them to think about you know, how can I um, get the training or the, the preparation that I, might, that I need in order to get the, the job that I'm looking to have. And then I think the last, the last thing I learned is um, finding a mentor. Uh, I, I was very fortunate to have a mentor um, though I never really called him a mentor, he, he, he was that to me. Um, and so uh, he also worked for the Cone Career Center, uh, and, and, and he actually was an old neighbor of mine. And um, he, he was just a, a really just great mentor to me and, and getting myself, you know, um, to understand, you know, what, what do I need to do to get into this type of career? Uh, what skills do I need to really focus on, to really build upon? And you know what? What does it? What does this? What does the work look like? And how? How does that fit with my own values and interests? Um, and so I think without that support, um, I, I may not be where I am now. So I, I have to lend a lot of a lot of this to to uh, to my to the, to my mentor. So it's really refreshing to hear you the three things that you just i mean you list off a lot of things but the idea around transferable skills not just from professional situations but also life situations and networking and mentoring i think those are like three things that we've talked about a lot um so good to <laughs> good to hear that like affirmed again yeah. <laughs> now i'm interested um and 
if you have any recommendations around networking, because back in the day, we used to go out for coffee, you know, meet someone for coffee, or you, you know, can we, can we meet after work for a happy hour? And, you know, that's a way you network or, you know, and you put yourself in those kinds of environments. So what are you recommending now, um, since really being with someone physically is not advisable right now? Yeah. So I, I, I think looking at your social media channels, um, you know, looking at LinkedIn, looking at Facebook, um, you know, if you're someone who likes to be on Twitter or Instagram, um, but, but just, you know, using those channels to reach out to, to people that you may have an interest in reaching out to. Um, also, I think if there are any kind of social groups that might be held virtually, um, if, if you're someone who likes to go to church and maybe you have a, you know, your church is, is currently being provided on a virtual platform, but, but, but using your social groups to, to network uh, as well. And so I think that, um, you know, joining, joining, there's lots of, there's so many different kinds of groups that are out there and uh, that, that, and there's, there's going to be a group that pertains to your interests. And so joining that group, and reaching out to people who are within that group to get more information, get advice, get guidance, um, and, and, and any kind of support that you're looking for. I think people are wanting to give back. People want to help other people. And so uh, I guess my, my advice would be don't be shy. You know, don't be shy to, to reach out to other people, um, to, to seek that advice or to seek that support that you need. Yeah, that's really, I think, good advice for to remind me of because I think a lot of people, at least that I know, and a lot of recent grads, um, we just sort of feel like we send cover letters and resumes out into the ether whenever we're applying to jobs um, that, you know, often you'll find online or on, you know, job sites or whatever. And um, I guess I, I honestly forget about networking all the time because I'm spending all my time being like, all right, I have to have, you know, these grades and I have to have these sort of qualifications and make sure that they look good on paper when I send them out to people. But I sort of forget about the idea that, you know, why don't I reach out to someone at a company that I want to work at in the future even um, and, and say, hey, like I'm looking at, I would love to work for your company five years in the future. I, I, honestly don't even know. Um, like I wouldn't know how to do that. I've never done that before and I haven't had to because I've just been in school my whole life. So it's really good to hear you talk about that. Cause I, for, I truly forget to do that all the time. I, it's really, yeah, I, I don't even know. So, so yeah. going on yeah. off of that, um, are there like advice, like networking, are there any other specific things that you have to, um, that you would like to tell people who are maybe entering the job market, like you said, after a long time, after maybe not, um, being in, um, school for a long time. Like I know actually a lot of my friends, like parents, some of them are reentering, um, after their kids are no longer in college. Um, so anyone that's trying to enter right now, especially given the pandemic, um, do you have any sort of advice for them other than what you've already said, I guess? Yeah. So I, I think the, if you're finding yourself um, looking for a job, I think the first thing that you need to do is really take some time to evaluate yourself and, and what, what are, what are the things that you find most enjoyable? What are, what are your interests? You know, where, where, where do you see yourself in 
uh, two years or five years from now. Um, and, and begin to put yourself in your future self. Um, you know, begin to provide or, or create opportunities where you are able to fulfill and meet the goals that you have, either be two years or five years down the road. I think the other thing that's important, particularly for any job seeker, is researching companies. Um, you know, researching companies for uh, their company culture, uh, that, that is really important, um, as well as for fit. You know, what, what, what do you have? What skills do you have that, that, can, that you will bring to uh, that future employer? And, and, and do you see yourself in the, the shoes of someone working for that employer? Um, I also think it's important to think about similar occupations. So as you might be you know, geared towards one thing, what are some similar occupations that may be related to what it is that you have interest in? And so maybe you're not thinking about, um, you know, I guess, for example, you know, if, if um, you know, social work, for example, I'll, I'll use my own experience. So, you know, social work is, is, is something that might be of interest. You know, maybe counseling, maybe, you know, thinking about counseling or substance abuse counseling or, um, or you know, working in some, in some, you know, role that would help you uh, you know, work and develop those relationships with with people, with individuals, and with groups and families. And so, um, I think I think thinking about and exploring what similar occupations there, that that you might have interest in. The other, I think, guide uh, recommendation I would have is tailoring your resume and cover letter. Uh, you you want to have uh, when when you're doing a resume and writing a cover letter, you want to have a, a, you want to tailor it to the position. So you want to pull out, you know, keywords, uh, you know, keywords can be any kind of specific skills or, or, or knowledge uh, as it pertains to the job description. And so you want to pull those keywords out and put them in as they pertain to your own experience, but put them into the documents that you are creating for the application that you're, you know, that, for the job that you're applying for. Um, and so that, I think that is really important not to have a general, uh, you know, resume or, you know, uh, one resume where you're applying to just, you know, 20 different jobs, but you want to have, you want to tailor the resume, tailor the cover letter and have just have, you know, per job that you're applying for one resume that addresses the needs that the employer is looking for. I'm curious ever, about, oh, go ahead, Micah. Oh, um, have you ever used those software programs where you put in the job description and your resume and then they match to see how closely the language fits for both. I don't know if you Yeah, know. so the, the applicant tracking system, is yeah. that is that what you're referring to? Yeah, so there are some some free software um, that's that's out there on the on the ether that you're able to to do that kind of thing. Um, and it gives you uh, it gives you the opportunity to see at what percent does your does your resume match with that of the job description. Um, and and that's you know, that's certainly something that they they can do, but I, I think it's really evaluating the job description and looking and, and comparing that to your experiences and ensuring that you are being relevant. You want to include relevant information on your resume. Um, that that really is 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 key. I think to to um, getting an interview is that you're including relevant experience, relevant information, um, so that you are you are matching 
the 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 type of skills and and the the needs that the employer is looking for so is it would you say looking at like you said the job description or the even the description of the company is it okay to take like you know some exact words and exact phrases and sort of try and incorporate that into your own cover letters and resume because i guess i always worry that that's going to be like too cheesy or like you know a little obvious that i'm doing that absolutely yeah absolutely i I would i would actually recommend that so so you know take those specific that specific language from the job description and put it in your resume and your cover letter because some you know most employers particularly in fortune 500 companies or your private industry um, employers use an applicant tracking system. And so you, you want to bypass and, and, and get to that next level of someone actually looking at your resume. And to do that, you've got to really plug in those keywords. Um, that, that really is a, a vital piece to, to writing your resume. So I'm curious, um, thinking about the moment that we're in right now um, with tens of millions of Americans out of work. Um, this, is a, this is a tough time for, I think, anyone to be trying to get into the job market. But if we're thinking about like college age students or you know, recent graduates, what would, you, what would be your advice, um, I guess for both, for, for people who are students right now who are kind of looking out, maybe they're a year or two away from graduation, um, what could they be doing now to prepare for a job market like this and of course by the time they come to graduation it will hopefully <laughs> look different but we don't know what it's going to look like mm-hmm. um, and then I think for for recent graduates like what is if if you know folks aren't able to find you know a jobs right out of college anymore like what what would you recommend um, for that advice I'm just thinking about like I uh, I graduated in 2009 um, which was a tough job market, but nothing like we're seeing now. I was able to find those like part-time jobs and restaurants and stores and that sort of thing to, to carry me through until I could find a full-time job. So curious, like how this is different, how you're, what you're recommending now. Yeah. So I, I think for students who are currently in college and, and they're looking to, to, to get their, their degree, um, they want relevant experience. And so, uh, if that's through an internship or if that's through a paid job or an unpaid job, um, then I think that looking for those opportunities is really going to be essential so that you can, you can have those things in your resume and it would be a value add. I think, I think that that is, is really essential to you know, getting and propelling yourself into, your, into the future that you're wanting to have and, and to find a job that is is relevant to your experience um i think for 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 people who are maybe not in college or or you know out of college you know looking for like professional associations so you know thinking about professional development thinking about um you know based on their interests which there there are many many different associations that are out there that they could join and they could work towards if there is if there is a certification that's provided, or if there is some you know, job training, or um, you know any anything that the that the association is offering to take advantage of that. 
and, and, and also to utilize, I think, just the network of a professional association mm. to reach out to other people so that um, you know, you're, getting, you're getting guidance and you're getting perspectives from, from people who are working in the field that you, you see your future self in. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, I want to kind of dig into that a little bit. Um, so, you know, advice around, you know, internships and, and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, I think is great. And we've, we've talked a little bit about internships on the, on the show. Um, are you, I guess what I'm hearing from right. The news is that there are no jobs, <laughs> no one's hiring. This is, it's dire, 40 million people unemployed, you know, that's all of true. this. Okay. So that's what that's I was going to ask. Like, yeah. are these internships still, still happening? Are people yeah. still hiring? Like, what are you? What yeah. Are you- so I think a lot of things now are being offered virtually. Um, there's also something called micro internships, which are, um, you know, shorter durations of maybe a, of doing, working on a project with a team. And so um, I think you know, those bring as much value to an intern, a full, you know, 10 month internship. Um, you know, another thing I think is externships or even job shadowing. You know, are there opportunities for me to just sit and observe how something is done? And, I mean, you, cause you're gaining skills just by doing that. Um, and, um, and I think, you know, job shadowing, I think with job shadowing, you're it's the same kind of thing with externships. You're, you're, you're getting, you're, you're identifying what skills you need to work on and and thinking about how you might then learn those skills um, that's really interesting so okay, I, well, I good, that, good that, to hear important. that yeah good to hear that those those things are out there yes <laughs> and i think that's really interesting around a micro internship i hadn't heard about that before that sounds cool yeah yeah so they're, they're based upon and, and many employers um, who are offering virtual internships or are providing these micro internships um, virtually. And so you'd be working with a team in a virtual environment on a particular project. And so, um, and, and some, some are even paid. Some, some even offer, you know, a paid micro internship um, where they're working on a project together, whatever that project might be. And once it's completed, you might get paid for it. I think that that's interesting for me to hear, especially based talking to a lot of my friends who've just graduated and who a lot of them are, I mean, all, a lot of us, I think are hesitant to make the decisions between whether we should do something short term, like that, like look for something like that, like a micro internship um, versus like, all right, or should I spend all my time sort of looking for like a longer term position, you know, to get to propel me, get me out of my parents' house. Cause I've been, you know, doing virtual school and living with my parents for seven months now and working at part-time at McDonald's. So like, you know, it's, it, it's it, I think it's good to hear the reassurance that, that it's okay to do multiple short-term things before mm-hmm. you get to the long-term um, stuff. Um, and, and I think that that's probably important. I know a lot of my friends are hesitant to do things like that because they're like, well, you know, if I sign up for this three month job, like I have to just keep looking for jobs after these three months. Is it worth it for me to, to both be working and, you know, continuously looking for something else to do? So I think that's, yeah, that's good mm-hmm. advice. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the whole concept of job shadowing. 
because mm-hmm. I think now, because we are virtual, you could job shadow anyone across the country, you know, um, obviously it'd be a, a unique experience through mm-hmm. Zoom or whatever, but still you can re- you know, you're in New York and you can job shadow someone in California because um, mm-hmm. your future self sees you in LA someday, you know? Right, right. Uh, so that's a concept I hadn't really heard about. So I, I, I like that idea of job shadowing. And I feel like that's actually a probably really good way to network too, is if you reach mm-hmm. out to someone, I guess my issue with networking is I'm like, what do I say to these people that I reach out to? Like, do I just say like, hi, I want to use you as a networking. Like that sounds horrible. But if I, if I can reach out to someone and say, Hey, like, I'm really interested in the work you do. I'd love to shadow you virtually. I think that that's really cool. That's a really cool way of going about it. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of that. Bianca, I've had the same feeling about reaching out to network and uh, Arnisha and Micah have both tried to dissuade me from that, that like everyone wants to help. I think Andrew, you mentioned it, everyone wants to help. Um, uh, But yeah, I think I have the same struggle that I don't want to feel like I'm using people just to, you know, so yeah. I also, I, I feel you on that one. <laughs> but, but Bianca, honestly, Micah is a networking queen and I mean that literally. So she is a great person to speak with in terms of not only is her network really broad, um, but she's great at networking. So she's a good person and truthfully, you should probably tap into her and get her <laughs> into you on networking so that you'll, it'll just become a lot easier. I have always disliked networking and I disliked it because I felt uncomfortable um, with it. I felt the same way you did. I felt like I was using people, truthfully. Mm-hmm. And then what I learned in working closely with Micah is that it really is more about relationships. It's not about mm-hmm. you people and if you've established a relationship and you're checking in with them I'm not going to say regularly because nobody has time to check in with somebody once a month but if somebody hears from you maybe three or four times a year right Mm -hmm. and that fourth time you're saying hey I'm in the market I'm looking do you know of anything then that you've already built that relationship so it's very different speaking with someone that um, you've already been talking to throughout the year and asking for help then as opposed to just coming out of the blue and asking for help but even then and I'm people still want to help they they do because at some point or another everyone has been in that situation and Mm -hmm. it's a crappy situation to be in. So if you can help someone out of it, whether it's as simple as shooting a text to someone or, or an email, if you could do that and help somebody through their journey, most people want to do that. I always say the key is you have to let go of your fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Cause I think most people don't want to reach out because they are, they don't, they either, they don't want people to think a certain way of them or they think they're not going to respond and that's like horrible or, mm-hmm. you know, but once you get to the point where you're like, you know what, if they respond, that's fantastic. If they don't respond, I'm still where I was before I reached out to them. So nothing lost. And you know what? So what, what they, whatever they think about me, doesn't matter. I need something. So I got to put myself out there. And that's just how I think about it. Yeah, that's a great point. She's really good at it. She's really, really good at it. Andrew, I have a question. For college kids, I, I've i noticed, and bear with me for a minute, Molly, because I'm getting ready to attack millennials. <laughs> We're not all bad. <laughs> I'm not saying you're all bad. I'm just saying that the amount of time that you spend at jobs is very, very short. 
I know a few millennials and they might have a one year um, job here, another year there, maybe mm. nine months there. And this is, a, this is several millennials that I know, not Molly, not you, but I know several millennials who do that. And I, I honestly, as a Gen X person, I have bounced around a lot for my generation. You know, for my generation, people tend to have gotten into jobs and have stayed there for at least five to seven years. That has not been my experience overall. But I especially noticed with millennials that it's just not, um, you don't see longevity at a job as something that's a common thread, which you mm -hmm. did see with boomers, which you saw to some extent with Generation X. Um, I'm just curious, when you're speaking with people now, how long would you advise them that they should be in a particular job? Is there anything that makes people say, okay, this person will hang out for a while, or do you, is it something that might raise a red flag if it's lower than a certain amount of time? Yeah, so I just I, gotta, I, hold go on now, I just have I'm, to do a quick on. rebuttal to Arnisha. <laughs> 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 on the millennial versus gen x there have actually been studies that have shown that millennials do not move jobs more often than gen x oh. here are just following in the footsteps of the generation before us that also hopped around and with that i will turn it back to the question and i need to see the study okay <laughs> we'll send you the link right now <laughs> so I, I haven't had a student ask me this question um but i think it's it's a, it's an important question and um you know there there isn't really like a magic number of oh i've got to spend you know the first five years with a company um i th i think that thinking about your your goals and thinking about the the, the career that you want to set for yourself as well as how do you want to brand yourself um do you want to brand yourself as someone who likes to skip around to different jobs or do you want to brand yourself as someone who who will stay with with a company for a certain period of time to gain the skills until you feel ready in order to move on to the next step um and so i i i too i'm i'm a generation 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 xer and i think um you know i i have jumped around uh from job to job looking for that perfect perfect job uh, and and really, you discover that the grass isn't greener on the other side. And so, you know, I, and and I I think that it takes time to learn that lesson. But also, um, I I think that as um, as you're as you're gaining that experience and you're you're thinking about um, you know moving to the next step, you know, think about what skills can you utilize for that next employer and, and, and really assess, are you, ready for, are you ready to even take that jump? If you're not ready, stay where you are. It's, it's, it's gonna be okay. You'll, you'll, you'll eventually you know, move on, but, but gain, gain, work on the skills that you need to work on and, and, then, and then make that move. That's great advice. I, that's, also good advice for me here. I also am curious about how, like, if you know between industries, and I I've obviously I don't want to like get into the weeds of like, you know, here's the industry each right. of us are, are in specifically, but I know that after I'm, you know, want to do environmental work and a lot, I've heard from a lot of nonprofit environmentalist people that a lot of times when, right when you come out of college, 
it's kind of expected that you jump around for the first five years, getting a wealth of experience um, so that then you can sort of know what part of the environmental field to go into. Um, but I, I, I would prefer, I think, to be in one place for a little while. Um, so I think that, like, again, what comes to mind is what you said about shadowing and reaching out to people, maybe even within, like, your own company or within whatever place that I'm in. And, like, I'm thinking, you know, I'm doing a year-long service program, and I'm there were multiple placements that were available to me, and I was placed with one specific one. But um, I'm even thinking now, like, there are a couple – other placements I was interested in that I won't be in, but maybe I'll just reach out to the supervisors there and be like, Hey, I'm on Cape Cod. I wasn't placed with you, but can I go like around with you for a day and see the kind of work that you do? Um, I don't know how I would use that though in like a job application, for example, like what I say, like I went around for a day with, so I, I didn't do shell fishing, but I did, I went around for a day with one person who shell fished and I really liked it. So I, how do you, how do you use, like, basically how do you um, advertise skills that you've gained potentially not in a, in your own professional position? Um, I don't know if you have any advice around that. So like, how can you be like, I, it doesn't look like I did this in my job, but I know how to do this because I've worked on gaining this skill outside of my specific position. Do you have any thoughts yeah. on that? So I, I think when you're developing a resume that you may have a section within that resume that's, that's skills. And so you, you can then maybe not list every skill you have, because again, you, it's important that you are keeping relevant. You want, you want to be relevant to what job that you're applying for. So just include those skills that are relevant to the position. And so it could be just a list of what, of what those relevant skills are. Um, obviously there's, you know, there's different kinds of resumes that um, may be preferred based upon the, you know, the industry that you're looking to apply for. Um, for example, if you're looking to apply for a, a position with the federal government, you need to have a federal resume. That's, that is different than a, um, than an industry or a standard resume. And so it, it's, also, it's longer, it's three to five pages, and then you also may organize your information to showcase the skills that you have for each experience that you've had. And so whereas mm -hmm. in a standard resume, you just may highlight in a skills section um, what skills, relevant skills you have for the job that you're applying for. I didn't know that about federal resumes. I've applied for jobs and with the government. So I'm wondering if that's part of the reason I didn't hear anything back. So that's great to know. <laughs> sounds like you need a, a session with Andrew on your resume for a It sounds project. like I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to help you, Bianca. Just let me know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of leads me into uh, one question, Andrew. I know a lot of people don't realize that after you graduated from a, a college or university, that you could actually go back to the Career Center and they'll still help you as an alumni? Have you had experiences doing that? And, and do you guys market yourselves for your alumni for that? We do. So we, we, we will provide um, career services to any al recent alum who graduated within three years. So at this point, we will go to alum who graduated in 2017 to present. Um, for those alumni who are uh, who graduated beyond 2017, 
they would go through our alumni engagement office. Um, and so they, they will then help them with whatever need that they may have. Uh, but we, we help um, lots of different alumni, uh, you know, within that duration with, you know, doing a resume critique or helping them with writing their cover letter, um, helping them do their job search, uh, helping them do any kind of, um, you know, develop any kind of online profile uh, that's on, you know, link, using LinkedIn, uh, helping them with mock interviewing and preparing for their next interview. Um, and so we, we, we provide the, the same kind of services that we would with a current student, we would with a recent alum. That's good right. to know. Alumni engagement, I have to remember that, that like that's the department to go to for folks mm -hmm. who, like me, graduated a long time ago. Um, but that's a, that's a good tip. Thanks for mm -hmm. that. I'm actually sure. going to reach out. To, I have two alumni engagement locations I can go to. So Awesome. <laughs> So, uh, Arnisha, did you have something to ask? No. Oh, okay. Um, so this kind of is a good segue, at least for me, into um, into planning. I had a. Uh, I'm really curious about that, and this is kind of a question for all of you guys. You've all been in careers for longer than I have. Um, so I am really curious about um, how far you guys think that someone, a recent grad or anyone who's entering the job market should try and plan ahead. So I, you know, I, I have only my bachelor's degree. I don't know whether I'll need a grad degree. I don't know exactly what um, specific niche of environmental careers I want to go into. Um, and I know that you I think it was some really good advice that you said to try and sort of take time and think about where I can imagine myself and what I can imagine myself doing. Um, but apart from that, do you have any advice about planning um, it in advance and, and how far in advance I should try to plan or anyone in my position should try to plan um, for the future? And like, I know even like Molly has mentioned that um, she's, um, you know, trying to plan her, her career in the future as well. So any advice surrounding um, just planning it all and that, that would be great if you have yeah. some. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's hard to plan, you know, even a year out. And so, you know, really thinking, putting yourself in, in your present self um, and, and thinking about maybe six months from now, uh, you know, what, where, where do you see yourself from from now and, and, and until then. Um, if you have that ability to think beyond that, I think that's important. And so uh, if you can plan a year out, if you can plan two years out, that that that's amazing. Um, and and I think it takes it takes time to really focus on the the attention that that, that deserves. And so really spend spend that time thinking about what that will look like. Um, Right. I think as you're, as you're thinking about that, it's important to be, you know, taking the time to develop a sense of self um, and working on your self-awareness. I think that's an important piece is, you know, be becoming more aware of, of what are my interests? Um, what are my strengths? What are my challenges? Uh, you know, what are ways that I can build on my challenges and turn them into strengths? Um, and as you're thinking about your future goals, you can you can begin to then you might you might change them. And, and you know that's the great thing about goals is that nothing's really written in stone unless 
unless you're that kind of mentality of, you know, I've got to do this. You, know, you, you can change, you can, you can adjust, you can edit, you can, you know, do whatever you need to do to, to make sure that the goals that you have are successful. And so, um, you know, one, one thing I've, I've been working with, I, I, I'm fortunate to, to supervise to two students on campus, one's a graduate assistant and the other is an undergraduate student. Um, and th this week I spent time really focused on developing smart goals. And so, you know, if, if you can, if you, if, if you're not aware of what a smart goal is, um, you know, SMART is an acronym for um, the S is specific, the M is measurable, the A is attainable, the R is realistic, and the T is timely. And so uh, really focus on developing goals that have that acronym um, and, and also, you know, measure them based upon, you know, maybe it's one step at a time. Um, and so that, that would be, that would be my, my advice. And I also think, you know, cause I, I actually went to business school and, um, I just thought about cause there, there comes, you know, once you get your first job, which is, I went right after my first job. It's do I go look for another job or do I take this time and go to school? So you have like these crossroads that you'll come to and you'll start making decisions based on where you are at that time. Um, and then I read an article where they're saying people, colleges and universities now need to start looking at students in a different way because, you know, now we're virtual. They know that, that you know, the capabilities there. So maybe you need to be looking at students who are in their 40s and 50s. And, you know, not just looking at the younger students now, but everybody is a potential student because of where they are in their lives. They may decide they want to get this degree. And so if colleges, universities start marketing in that way, it would also open up and, and change how we look at going to grad school. It's not just, you know, before I'm 30 or whatever, you know, you That's can right. look at it, right? So yep. I think these times yep. have started to create more opportunities for a broader audience, which is, is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, and there's no magic age for going to grad school, right? Is it, if, that, if that's a goal of yours, you can go when you're 40 or older. Um, it just depends on where you are in your life and, and where you see yourself, um, you know, in your, in your future. So, um, and, and it, it's across any generation, you know, any, any, at any time. So, I think that that's important. That fits perfectly with Dame Talk. <laughs> All the generations. We could all go back to school. Oh, no. <laughs> I would. I would. My brain doesn't work that way anymore. I'm like, oh. Someone in my program is 26, and they are going back for their second bachelor's degree. So they got a bachelor's and I think, you know, and, and then did – they're on their third AmeriCorps program now. So their third one year program. And I think they just realized through doing all these programs that they didn't want to, um, they didn't study the right thing the first time. So they're going back for their second bachelor's degree, which I've never heard of. So that's even that anything is possible is what that tells me. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. Andrew, you've been awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, I think I feel like you and I'm, I, I'm just hopping in because I just because I want to make sure I thank you before Bianca <laughs> wraps, but you've just been awesome. You, I think you've given a lot of very practical advice, especially for um, Generation Z. Uh, with resume advice and just how they should be networking. I had a few things, micro, and I wrote down several things that, um, that you mentioned. I have a son that's Gen Z, uh, so I think it'll be really helpful for him, for me to share a lot of the things that you mentioned uh, as he moved, he's a junior now, as he starts to prepare for life after college. So mm -hmm. I, I personally just want to thank you. I think you shared a lot of very good information, had some really good insights. Thank Even you, for me that. as a boomer, I, I took away some things that I'm like, hmm, I might be able to, uh, you know, initiate this on my side too. So I think it was a, a multi-generational uh, guidance and tips from you that helped. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, all right. Well, if, if no one has any last things to add, then I guess we can wrap up our episode for today. Um, and I'll echo what Arnisha and Micah said. Thank you so much. It was so helpful. I definitely, um, has given me a lot of things to think about. So I hope that any listeners who hear this episode, um, especially that are in my position, um, come away with this, with some new ideas and some, some, some goals, maybe ready to make some smart goals <laughs> for their future. Absolutely. So helpful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you all. Thank you for listening to today's Dame Talk episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at dametalk4 at gmail.com. That's dametalk and the number four at gmail.com. To learn more about us and these topics, check out our website at dametalkpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at dametalkpodcast. Thanks for listening. This is Dame Talk. We don't know everything, but we know enough.